Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Sunday, February 20th, 2018. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and it uh, seems appropriate to start once again, not with games, but with scandal, because another scandal has dominated the headlines this weekend. ESPN's Mark Schleybaugh reported late Friday uh, that Arizona coach Sean Miller was caught by a wiretap discussing a $100,000 payment with Christian Dawkins to ensure five-star forward DeAndre Ayton enrolled at Arizona. Massive headline, obviously, and as a result of it, Sean Miller did not coach the Wildcats uh, late Saturday at Oregon. He did release a statement, though, and said that he believes he will be, quote, vindicated. Meantime, uh, DeAndre Ayton did play, and an attorney uh, released a statement saying Ayton's mother is, quote, outraged and disgusted by ESPN's report that has, quote, falsely implied that her son or his family have any involvement in illegal or prohibited activities regarding DeAndre's decision to matriculate at the University of Arizona. So there's a lot to unpack here, Norlander, and I guess I'll just let you have first crack at it. What are you uh, to make of uh, the Friday night headline that uh, Sean Miller has been caught on a wiretap discussing a $100,000 payment to ensure DeAndre Ayton enrolled at Arizona? Parish. First of all, uh, we almost did a podcast. We almost we almost hit the button and did an emergency podcast. I want to let listeners know that. But the story we knew was going to change at least the framing of it, and certainly from where we were on Friday night at eleven thirty at night to where we were Saturday at three in the afternoon to where we were after Arizona played. Um, a really fun, good game, but lost in overtime. And by the way, DeAndre Ayton, look, downright pissed the hell off. And if he plays like that the rest of the season, he's getting taken number one in the draft, and it will not be close. He looked like a freaking monster. Um, the story itself, you know, there are no direct quotes in the story by Mark Schlebaugh. And so he, whomever the sources are that he's going with here, um, obviously uh, it was enough for him to, to roll with that story. But the one thing I noticed when it got published was there are no quotes either from Dawkins or from Miller, nor is there a date attached to when the phone call was made. So I wondered with that, and when we did not have the kind of movement on Sean Miller that I think a lot of people were expecting in the following Let's be honest here, 1 to 24 hours. There were some that thought Miller might not get out of Friday night with his job, and at the very least, administrative leave was going to happen, if not a resignation, if not a firing. Well, none of that has happened, and as we record this podcast here on Sunday night, we await to see what the next steps are with Sean Miller and his employment status with Arizona. It could be another situation where, let me just check real quick. I don't have this up in front of me. I'm going to guess Arizona doesn't play again until Thursday. They do not play. Yeah, it is Thursday. they got a homestand. So they've got Stanford on Thursday and then Cal to wrap up the regular season. Um, all due respect to those programs, they should not need Sean Miller on the bench to win both of those games. Will we not get another update from Arizona and Miller until Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon? I'd be a little surprised by that. But it does not seem that Miller's job is as at risk right now as some people would have thought. And that's because you would have thought if there was a true smoking gun here and what was reported, 
Arizona would have at least made some more definitive stance. But no, it's it's basically staying with Miller. The way that it stayed behind him when the FBI story first broke and Book Richardson got charged. And whatever Miller has been able to tell his employers is clearly enough at this point to the point where he said, listen, maybe it was either his decision, his AD's decision. I'm guessing it was not his decision. If he wanted to coach, he would have been able to coach if it was his choice. But um, they just decided. They had plenty of time, by the way. I understand it came less than 24 hours before their game, but that's more than enough time to uh, to decide if you're going to make a move on Miller and put him on administrative leave or anything like that. They did not do that here, and it is it is certainly fascinating. Um, I have other thoughts, but I don't want to ramble too much here because there's a lot of things that we can touch on this in regard to this. So um, I will say that I was surprised that Miller wound up being in the spot that he was in, and I believe local beat writer uh, Bruce Pascoe reported that Miller flew out of Oregon on Saturday, did not take the team flight back home. Got to figure now, obviously, he's back in Arizona, and we wait to see what happens next. Um but that's not even touching on the eight and stuff in general. He ended up being eligible. But those are my initial early thoughts. But, there, again, there's a lot to touch on here, GP, so I volley it back to you. Well, um, to me, among the most interesting things is Sean Miller's statement because he says, I will be vindicated, or at least he believes he's going to be vindicated. Um, well, okay, vindicated, what does that mean? Well, let's talk about what is in the actual story. Because I, I think sometimes people take it and they twist it and they end up with a, a perception of it that isn't actually what it is. The only thing that story says is that Sean Miller is on a wiretap discussing a $100,000 payment to ensure DeAndre Ayton enrolls at Arizona with Christian Dawkins. It doesn't say that a payment was ever made. It doesn't say that... It doesn't say anything more than what I just said it says. So the only way Sean Miller can be vindicated is if he's actually not on a wiretap discussing a $100,000 payment uh, to ensure DeAndre Ayton uh, enrolls at Arizona. That's it. That's the only way to become vindicated That's because that's all the story says. It doesn't say – and then Sean Miller two months later made a payment that was – all it says is he was on a wiretap. He's with Christian Dawkins, and he is discussing uh, paying $100,000 to – secure a commitment or enrollment from DeAndre Ayton. So the only way he can be vindicated is if that wiretap does not exist. Here's the, here's the thing that, that struck me. It's one thing when somebody says you did something, but it's not necessarily recorded. You could just say, hey, I, I'm just saying that didn't happen. And then unless they can prove that it happened, you can always say, I'm just saying it didn't happen. Like when Rick Pitino says, I didn't know about the prostitutes and strippers at those parties, I don't think anybody will ever be able to prove otherwise. Um, people will believe him or not, but I don't think there's ever going to be a recording that is a smoking gun that says, oh, no, but Rick Pitino did know. Here he is on tape talking about it. So that's a very, I don't want to say easy defense to make, but. It, 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 it's, it's a very obvious one to make. Hey, I'm just telling you I didn't know. You could think whatever you think. I didn't know. Prove it. Prove me wrong. Well, this is different because, again, the story is Sean Miller's on tape. There is a tape that exists of him discussing a $100,000 payment to get DeAndre Ayton to enroll at Arizona. Now, if you're saying I'm going to be vindicated, then what you're really saying is that, that, that that's not real. There is no tape of me. There is no phone call of me uh, recorded. Well, can I, can, I, can I challenge that? Here's what I think it might mean. 
Because what he did not say, Gary, is he didn't say the report is false, didn't say the report is misleading. He said it'll be vindicated. And I think he chose that. Obviously, he and whomever he was uh, being advised by chose that word because there could exist. One, we don't know if we're ever going to hear this. Okay, let's let's admit that up front. We don't know if the NCAA is ever going to get its hands on this tape. We don't know if the if public consumption is ever going to be possible for whatever Dawkins and Miller may have been discussing, if they were discussing anything at all. I do believe that Miller and Dawkins were on the phone because the FBI claims to have more than, again, three thousand hours worth of wiretap phone calls there is so much out there most of it's probably extremely boring and and frankly not worth the headline but there obviously uh is there a potential for a lot of stuff there but he says he'll be vindicated and that could mean the context of the conversation in whatever the sources that told schleba all of all of this the context of that conversation could be differentiated from the way the story was written or how Miller perceives that conversation to have been held. Now, I'm not going to defend Sean Miller on this because I think to take the call in, in general and to have even if, – if it goes in the direction that the story is indicating, you've got to be monumentally stupid to go there, even though you would not have any reason to ever believe that your damn phone conversation would be tapped because this hasn't ever happened before. I think – and I wonder what your opinion on this is – I think – there could be some discussion, and the you know the phrase one hundred thousand dollars or a hundred grand comes up, and all of that. But the fact that Arizona hasn't done anything to him yet, Miller, and there weren't quotes um, obtained, I get the sense that this is not going to be directly what a lot of people want it to be, and that is Miller saying. I can move the money for you. We can get a hundred thousand dollars to to secure DeAndre Ayton or Dawkins saying. I got 100000 ready for you. Are you willing to take this to move them? I just don't see that being the outcome. What are your thoughts? Well, if that's not the outcome, then that story's wrong. I mean, the story is clear that Sean Miller is on a wiretap discussing uh, paying $100,000 to secure DeAndre Ayton. If, he, if, if he's not on a wiretap doing that, then that story is wrong. I mean, that, that, there is no wiggle room here. Either he is on a wiretap discussing a pay-for-play scheme to get DeAndre Ayton, or he isn't. There's no way – like, it, you, he either is or he isn't. That's my point. The only way he can be vindicated – he cannot be vindicated by the FBI or the NCAA or anybody else never being able to prove that he actually paid for DeAndre Ayton. That is not vindication. Vindication is there is no wiretap of me discussing a pay-for-play scheme involving DeAndre Ayton, period. So if you're saying you don't think that's going to be on the wiretap, then that story is wrong. And that man's career has just been messed up badly – by an incorrect story. So you think the story's wrong? No, I'm not saying the story is necessarily wrong. Miller's words and Arizona's inaction of doing anything with Miller lead me to suspect or at least put into the realm of possibility here that Sean has presented a case and perhaps as much evidence as he possibly can behind the scenes to Arizona's president and his athletic director and whomever else that – this is not what it is. I, I don't see a situation in which he doesn't get at least admin leave for this, and it hasn't happened yet. So why hasn't it happened yet? Are they completely stupid at Arizona and believing everything that Sean Miller says, or is it the alternative? Is he providing some sort of an account that we don't know yet that is so convincing it did not lead them to do anything with him? And by the way, Aiton's eligible. Like, you meet everyone. You got Billis talking on game day. This is a career ender for, for Sean Miller. And everyone talking about there's no way Aiton can play in this game. 
there wasn't anyone that thought there was any shot that DeAndre Ayton was playing Saturday night, right? And yet he gets on the floor because, per Arizona, and now we see these steadfast, passionate denials of of DeAndre Ayton ever receiving any money to attend the University of Arizona and aggressively coming out with legal representation. It is it is quite interesting to see how this story has changed and what we still have to learn and, and find out more about. Um, the statement that was put out on Sunday, uh, I thought was particularly interesting. Do we want to do we want to read that statement, Parrish? I've got it here. It's from a, a gentleman named Paul Kelly. He's outside counsel to the University of Arizona. Um, he uh, he 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 released a statement that essentially said DeAndre Ayton has voluntarily over the last several months spoken to the NCAA, to the FBI, to Pac-12 officials, to Arizona officials, and to a uh, independent law firm. Uh, that's looking into these matters for the University of Arizona. And he has consistently um, maintained that he, neither he nor his any family member nor any representative, nobody connected to him, has ever accepted an extra benefit that influenced his decision to attend the University of Arizona. And what is most interesting in that statement is that he said there is not a shred of evidence um, that suggest otherwise, which is something federal investigators and NCAA officials have acknowledged to the University of Arizona. In other words, what, what that statement says, if you accept that statement as true, is that the feds have no proof whatsoever that DeAndre Ayton was paid to go to Arizona or anybody around DeAndre Ayton was paid to go to Arizona. That is interesting, and that is why um, he, he could reasonably play on, on Saturday night. The, again, I, I think these things are getting mixed up and um, probably need to be separated a little bit. Uh, the, whether DeAndre Ayton or anybody connected to DeAndre Ayton w- was ever actually paid is largely irrelevant to the ESPN story. The ESPN story doesn't say DeAndre Ayton was paid. It says Sean Miller was on a wiretap discussing whether uh, – d- was d- discussing uh, a pay-for-play scheme involving DeAndre Ayton. So – I actually, I didn't, I'm not going to use revisionist history here. I did not think DeAndre Ayton would play Saturday night, but I, given the, given what we know now, I can totally understand how Arizona officials reached a point where they said, Sean Miller cannot coach under these circumstances until we figure out what's what, but we've been looking at DeAndre Ayton for months and we've talked to the FBI and they don't have anything saying DeAndre Ayton's taken anything or his family members. We've talked to the NCAA. They don't have anything either. There's no, again, no shred of evidence that suggests DeAndre Ayton amateur status is is compromised. And so why would we pull him off the court? Because of an ESPN report that doesn't even say his amateur status is compromised. It just says that our coach is on a wiretap discussing a play-for-pay scheme. So the way it actually unfolded, given everything that we know at this minute, um, actually, actually makes sense to me. But again, with Sean Miller, vindication only comes if you are not actually on a wiretap discussing a pay-for-play scheme involving DeAndre Ayton. So when he releases that statement and says, I'll be vindicated, what he is effectively saying is that he doesn't believe he's on a wiretap discussing the pay-for-play scheme involving DeAndre Ayton, which is fascinating to me because, again, I don't know if I completed my thought on the Rick Pitino thing, but with Rick Pitino, nobody's going to be able to provide a tape um, that says, oh, yes, you did know about this and that. It's just like his word against whatever it is everybody else believes. 
with this, uh, according to the ESPN story, there is a tape of, of Sean Miller doing doing exactly what that story says he did. And Sean Miller saying, nope, there's not. So where does it go from here? That's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting because, uh, you know, the tape will tell all, and we just don't know if we're ever going to get that. Um, now that this story is out there, we find that, we'll find out if uh, if the fact that it got out there has any sort of impact on on uh, the FBI's case going forward in general. Um, and listen, you know, now that this story is out there, we can – you know, acknowledge something that I think the hardcore fans that would listen to this podcast, but in particular follow college basketball recruiting, like there has just been a general suspicion about DeAndre Ayton playing for Arizona because the people who are paid to cover recruiting on a day-by-day basis thought that it was basically done at Kansas. And if not Kansas, then he was going to go to Kentucky. And yes, Ayton had played as a high schooler in Arizona, uh, in fact, with Marvin Bagley, but no one thought that he was going there. So it's not that hard to put two and two together that oftentimes when you have a five-star prospect who's whose eligibility for college to begin with like do you remember when we were we were talking to Aiton like you were there we were talking to him at Peach Jam about whether or not he was going to have the grades and was confident that his amateurism status would be cleared to play college to begin with you put all that in he picks Arizona out of nowhere it's obviously going to create scuttlebutt and some suspicion about him going there or not haven't really ever discussed it because, frankly, it's not fair to the kid. But now that you've got all of this out there and he's got a huge defense um, two times in two days from two different people uh, from a legal perspective defending his case overall, it is totally fascinating. And it has added um, a lot more to this whole story of college programs and players. And we'll get to some of the other guys that wound up playing this weekend anyway. And that fascination uh, with the sport, I think, I, I think it, uh, it's not going to be anything uh, uncommon for Aiton and Bridges to, to encounter more harsh uh, crowds over the next couple of weeks here. Um, whether they deserve it or not is, is up for you to decide, but you know, you had, Kids at Wisconsin chanting "cheater" at Bridges today, um, and, and damn, that's like that's not fair. But it is what it is. Like this is it's not going to stop people from making assumptions about a lot of these players and grouping them all together. Uh, the Arizona thing, though, in general, is fascinating. Parrish, do you think Sean Miller coaches on Thursday? I do not. I I do not, but I acknowledge there's a chance, and I would have thought this time yesterday there's no chance he ever coaches again at Arizona, but. Uh, and I want to get into something here um, about this that I haven't seen or heard anybody else talk about publicly. Um, again, this time yesterday, I said he never coaches at Arizona again. But when he releases a statement that says, I'm going to be vindicated, what he's saying is that that wiretap does not exist. Like there might be a, a, a recording of me talking to Christian Dawkins. But the idea that I'm on the phone talking to Christian Dawkins about paying $100,000 to secure DeAndre Aiden is not true. That's what he's saying. I think, uh, I think, and, he, I think he's using that language particularly because he, he's not outright saying the story's not true and I didn't have the phone conversation. He's saying I will be vindicated, meaning – how, how are you vindicated? If there's a wiretap of you <laughs> – I if, think if, he's probably – yeah. Saying I'm going to pay $100,000 for DeAndre Ayton. How are you ever vindicated? I think he thinks he'll be vindicated. This is totally me projecting here. But I think he thinks he will be vindicated because if that audio ever surfaces, you will never hear Sean Miller 
this is my guess in terms of where he's coming from if what he's saying is true. That's got to be the qualifier on the table here, okay? And I'm not even saying that I believe this to be true, but I'm saying if, if Sean Miller is saying this, he is saying it saying, I will not be caught talking about accepting or giving $100,000 or acknowledging Christian Dawkins in any sort of transaction possible. Maybe Christian Dawkins was talking about this, but there's no way you're going to catch me agreeing to this or anything whatsoever. That's what I that's what I think this could be going toward. There could be a conversation being quote held, but I but if Miller is saying he'll be vindicated, then he must believe or know that there's no tape of him out there that's going to um, basically convict him of what the story alleges. That's 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 all I'm putting out there and why he might have used that specific word. Then if that is the case, then the story's wrong. I mean that that I mean that's the that's the long and short of it. If that if that is the case, if there is not actually a recording of Sean Miller discussing a pay for play scheme where he's telling Christian Dawkins, no, you deal with me. Don't deal with book on the money stuff. You deal with me because that's what the story said. If Sean Miller is insisting that's not what that tape's going to show, then he is saying the story's wrong. And then like and then ESPN's got a problem because this is a massive headline. Like, you know, I, I think anybody, any of us have been wrong about small things sometimes. Um, but this is not a small thing. This is a possible future Hall of Fame coach of one of the 10 best programs in America with a top 25 team and a projected Pac-12 champion being pulled away from his team because of a reward on Friday night. And so if you're saying what you think Sean Miller means is that there's not going to be a recording of him discussing a pay-for-play scheme with, with Christian Dawkins where he's telling Christian Dawkins, no, you don't deal with Book Richardson about money. You deal with me about money. If you're saying that's what Sean Miller is saying, then Sean Miller is saying that story is inaccurate. I, but why does he not use the words, the story that the media report that came out about me Friday is is inaccurate or misleading? He doesn't use those words. So. But he does say, I'll be vindicated. And the only way he could be vindicated is if he is not on a wiretap discussing a pay-for-play scheme about um, about DeAndre Ayton, period, in the story. If, if he is actually, if he is, there is no vindication short of that. If he is on a wiretap discussing a pay-for-play scheme, uh, with Christian Dawkins uh, for DeAndre Ayton, in which he says, don't deal money stuff with book. You deal with me on the money. He should be fired I and mean, never coach yeah. everyone again. But, but, but in, in, in nothing short of, of, of that not being on the, the recording is, is, is not vindicated. He will not be vindicated unless that recording does not exist. And if that happened, by the way, I mean, monumental stupidity from Miller. That is something that coaches might have done in 1986. But, like, I, I don't even get that. And let me ask you a question that, that people might have been asking themselves or talking about with their buddies at a bar in their dorm rooms or whatever. Why is Sean Miller on the phone with Christian Dawkins to begin with having a – supposedly having a conversation about don't deal with my assistant, with the money stuff, deal with me. you got got Christian Dawkins, a 24-year-old guy, a hustler trying to get things done, but is someone that obviously hasn't known Sean Miller for a long time. So why would a coach at a program like Arizona, Sean Miller's been in the game forever, knows how these things work, why would he be so stupid to even put himself in that situation, Gary? Well, this is what I wanted to get into. Because, let me be clear, I, I'm just going to assume that somebody did something wrong to get DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> I mean, he's like he's DeAndre Ayton. Uh, like I, I, with all due respect to the family and everything, if somebody put a gun to my head and said, DeAndre Ayton, somebody connected to DeAndre Ayton was compensated to ensure that he went to Arizona, gun to your head, you better guess right. I'm just going to guess yes. Mm -hmm. Okay? 
Um, and I think most people would too. Maybe I'm wrong, but if you told me the gun's to my head and I, I got to guess right, my my best guess would be, yeah, sure, probably. He's a seven foot one future top three pick um, who um, wasn't really connected to Arizona, uh, according to most recruiting analysts, until like, boom, he committed to Arizona. So yeah, there's a lot of red flags there. I have no proof, but again, gun to head and you make me guess or you, and if I guess wrong, you're pulling the trigger in the, in the spirit of trying to be a father for my th- three children as long as possible. I would guess yes and live with the con live with the result or, but, or maybe not, but yes, continue. Um, but here's, um, here's the thing. When I talked to several people over the past 24 hours, I guess at this point close to, you know, 40 hours or so, they say, Okay, yeah, I, I, I always assumed they did something to get DeAndre Ayton. But Christian Dawkins wasn't the guy with DeAndre Ayton. You know how when people talk about recruiting, they always say, hey, say, say, yeah, that's so-and-so's guy. Right. Or, yeah, so-and-so's got a guy, or that's the guy running that. I mean, it is like literally the first question any savvy assistant coach asks when he starts recruiting somebody, who's the guy? Who's so-and-so's guy? Oh, wow, I like that player. Who's his guy? Who we need to work through? Who's, who's the person with the juice in that situation? And what they would tell you is that Christian Dawkins was the guy with Brian Bowen. But I, nobody has told me, well, yeah, Dawkins was the guy you had to work through to get DeAndre Ayton. Nobody has told me that. So, like, that's weird. Uh, if, like, if you were going to – this is what I was told. If you were going to do a deal for DeAndre Ayton, you wouldn't have done it through Christian Dawkins. It, one, one recruiting analyst told me Christian Dawkins had nothing to do with DeAndre Ayton. So that's, the th- that's one thing that strikes me as strange. Uh, in addition to what you said, like, okay, the, you're, you're having that conversation with a 24-year-old who's out hustling and like, you know, you don't think you're on a wiretap, but you don't completely trust this guy either. He's young. He's hustling. Um, the, are, you, are you really that careless to be negotiating a deal with him over the phone? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. People do dumb stuff every day. But, um, but I don't know. So that's that's just something that's in that, that I'll just run through a, a whole bunch of the things that that's interesting. The idea that, uh, again, I'm told Dawkins ain't the guy you'd be dealing, doing a deal with with DeAndre Ayton. Like if you were doing a deal for Brian Bowen, you might work through through Christian Dawkins. But doing a deal for DeAndre Ayton, I'm told he just ain't the guy you'd have been doing a deal with. That That's not he would not have been the guy to get that one done. Can I just pause it real quick here while you're saying that? Mm-hmm. That is why. When it comes to the Yahoo report from Friday and Dawkins has all these names and all these numbers on a supposed expense report, it's why we are right to have our suspicions about the validity of a lot of the numbers that Dawkins had on those reports because those don't corroborate to potential actions or violations. Dawkins in general was just trying to make things happen and build himself up within this world beyond what he actually was in stature. Back to you. Um, Okay, so – why Sean Miller would be talking like this to a 24-year-old is curious, at least. Uh, why you'd be doing a deal with Christian Dawkins, who most most recruiting analysts, or I should just rephrase, every recruiting analyst I've talked to over the past 40 hours has said that wasn't the, that's not the guy. That's not DeAndre Ayton's guy. Like like if you were going to do a deal for Derrick Rose back in the day, you needed to work through Reggie Rose. That not Derrick's mother, not Derrick's high school coach, not Derrick's Reggie Rose. That's the guy. Everybody's got a guy, or most people got a guy. Christian Dawkins, I'm told, was not the guy with DeAndre Ayton. So that's interesting. Um, and when, when was this phone call? 
when did it happen? Because DeAndre Ayton committed to Arizona in November September 2016. Yeah. It was a long time ago. So if this phone call happened in the calendar year 2017, then it doesn't even make any sense because he's already signed, committed the whole – whatever deal was done for DeAndre Ayton, if a deal was done for DeAndre Ayton, was done back in 2016. And that the story actually does not say when the call was supposedly made. And so the date on it would be interesting uh, to me. Like, uh, Was it prior to him committing? Because if it came after he committed, then what, like that that's not usually the way this stuff goes. And I guess I would bottom line it this way. Um, there, uh, I've known Mark Schleyball for a long, long time, 15 years or so. Um, he's a friend of mine. Um, he's a tremendous reporter. So my instincts are to just tr- believe what he wrote, what he reported, because he's awesome at doing yep. his job. I agree. And... So that's that's where I was on Friday night, and that's where I was on most of Saturday. But when you then combine Sean Miller's statement that he feels he's going to be vindicated, and again, at least in my opinion, I know we we, we differ a little. I'm here, just trying to put as much context into that statement, and they thought about every word as possible. I'm just trying to allow those kind of possibilities. I think we generally agree, GP, but right. I found the wording from him extremely interesting. Right. Well, I, I would just say, in my opinion, the only way Sean Miller can ever be vindicated is if he is not doing on a wiretap what it is that ESPN story said he was doing. And so either the ESPN story is wrong or Sean Miller is never being vindicated. There, there is no in between for me. So my instincts on Friday night, like, Shea Ball's awesome. I, wow. Great reporting. And Saturday, same deal. And I'm still like, I'm still there. Um, but. I will say that I've had multiple people tell me, like, the thing that doesn't make sense is that if you were doing a deal for DeAndre Ayton, you wouldn't have done it with Christian Dawkins. That is interesting to me. And what I had one person tell me, and again, just take this for what it's worth, and this person does not know this. This person was just, you know, we're talking through it. And the person was explaining, like, uh, and and let me be clear, because I want to be, I'm not, taking Sean Miller off the hook. I think Arizona probably cheated to get DeAndre Ayton. All right. Let me be clear about that. Um, but did, is this what happened? I don't know because I had one person say, <laughs> I mean, this is exactly what they said. First off, they probably paid more than a hundred thousand dollars for DeAndre Ayton, but I doubt they did it through Christian Dawkins because Christian Dawkins wasn't the guy in this recruitment. And what this person said, and he was, I, I think just, I don't know, trying to make sense of this story. He said, I wonder if there, the conversation between Sean and Christian isn't so much Sean saying, yes, I'll give you $100,000 to, to, to send Andre it in my way, but it's Christian Dawkins saying, we'll get you $100,000 if you'll send DeAndre Ayton to Andy Miller when it's time. If, if they two weren't discussing money, but in a slightly – or, or, or entirely. What the hell does Sean Miller need an extra hundred thousand? I mean, I get it. Like money's money. No one's turned down a hundred G's and all that GP, but I mean, you can say that. Like, why does Chuck person need another? 7, totally. 000? Absolutely. But it's just the most random thing. It's like, what's the amount of money we can throw? We can, we can tease Sean Miller with, yeah, you know, we can make a hundred cold ones happen. Like that's just, it could, it could certainly, you know, that's anything's on the table here, but that's just funny to me that, that whole. Yeah, uh, and listen, I have no idea if that's true, um, but I will tell you, Christian Dawkins being so 
bold as to think he can buy DeAndre Ayton's um, representation from Sean Miller makes more sense on a surface level than Sean Miller working through a guy who wasn't considered the guy for DeAndre Ayton and 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 discussing a pay-for-play scheme with somebody he couldn't have possibly known too well for too long. Yeah. All right. Let me throw a few other things out here um, about all of this, okay? It is certainly interesting that Schlebaugh a week ago and Thamel, Pete Thamel of Yahoo a week ago, they start reporting – you know, multiple Hall of Fame coaches. Schlebaugh's report and Thamel's report were similar. Um, and then you've got Forty and Thamel that, you know, break this story on Friday that we discussed uh, exclusively uh, or entirely, I should say, on Friday's podcast. And then the Schlebaugh thing happens Friday night. These, in my opinion, are absolutely not coincidences, okay, that you're getting all this out, that all these leaks are happening. Um, and it indicates to me that we will be getting – more potential leaks coming, um, but what doesn't add up for me is that we don't have the trials related to the FBI case until months from now, and in fact, some more than a year from now. Like, Booker Richardson isn't scheduled to go to trial until after the 2019 Final Four. So... Why are the leaks happening, and why are they happening now? And will we get anything official from the federal side here in the month of March when, if you just take a practical look at it, it would obviously create a massive splash. And initially, when the FBI made its, uh, its announcement and had its press conference, it was something that you know was the story of the day in and, and all of sports. And that press conference certainly had a certain swagger to it uh, and tone, and the FBI knows that dominating these kinds of headlines can potentially be very good for its business if you want to even look at it through that frame. So um, it is not lost on me that we have had these kinds of stories um, kind of clumped together and what potentially could still come out. And by the way, like Thamel and Forty have reviewed apparently you know hundreds of documents here. So um, they've clearly released the stuff that was the most urgent. But will we get any more coming this week? I'll be interested to see that. But here's what else I want to talk to you about. GP. Well, let me stop there for a second because okay. here's why I, you know you're, you asked the question rhetorically, but I'll answer it. Um, why are we getting these leaks now? Um, because it has been quiet for months and months and months, and now like Sean Miller's on a, reportedly on a wiretap um, discussing a pay for play scheme for DeAndre Ayton. Well, that if that wiretap exists, it's it's existed for a long time. You know why is it leaking now as opposed to in September or October, November, December, Jan? Why now? And Here's what I, I think. I think the feds now know that these cases are going to be harder to make than what they anticipated or hoped. Um, that the, the cases, as it relates to whether or not they are federal crimes, are very thin. And that they probably aren't going to get, because there haven't been any more arrests, that they probably aren't going to get you know, all of the coaches that they know were doing whatever, it's not going to lead to arrest and charges and convictions the way they had anticipated. But they still got all this information. They might not can put Sean Miller in jail, but they can ruin his career. And so I'm, again, I'm just guessing here, but knowing how this stuff sometimes works, all right, we ain't going to be able to get where we can get, but, but we can still if our goal was to rock college basketball, we don't have to get charges and convictions to do that. 
We just have to get media reports, get this information out there, and then you know, cleaning up, you know, the, the rocking the sport. It'll take care of itself. We don't have to, we don't have to put Sean Miller in handcuffs, but we could end his career with one leak. I think that's what's happening now. I think that is very possible, but we might be. Actually, I don't have it. I don't have an opinion one way or the other on this in terms of the source of the leaks because. Um, Leaking it from the federal side, as you're as you're just built the case for, makes some sort of sense. But I find it less likely that it would leak from the federal side because the way certainly, listen, the the reporters involved here are extremely good when it comes to investigating and building sources. I don't discredit them one iota when it comes to any of that. But it is easier and more likely of a scenario that they would be able to get information on behalf of the defendants and their legal teams involved to have stuff leak out. And obviously those lawyers, those legal teams are going to have a lot of information, some of which they might have um, obfuscated reasons for putting that information out there. I'm not saying what I'm about to say is not what I think is necessarily the case. But I think when you look at why this information is coming out and, and how it's coming out. Could Book Richardson basically be so pissed off right now thinking he got totally burned, he wasn't involved in almost any of this, and it was more Sean and, listen, Joe Pasternak, who's no longer even there, and Joe Pasternak is apparently uh, discussed uh, on the wiretap as well. And now Book Richardson has given up so much to his legal team, and he's given all this information, and he knows or at least was told by either Sean or someone else that, yeah, Sean was on the phone with Christian Dawkins. You know how I know? Because... Dawkins talked to Sean, and they've got his phone tapped. That's what they talked about, because Christian told me. So I think that could also be the source, and it would mean that Book Richardson was, in effect, turning on Sean, and they have been together for so long that I don't think that's necessarily the most likely outcome. But don't put anything past any human when you are potentially staring down hundreds of thousands or millions in fines and multiple years in jail, even if some people think that the feds might not be able to convict this. I will remind listeners that all of the legal teams here tried to kick this to to the courts and to the judges to get these cases thrown out, and they were not thrown out. The only case that got thrown out was uh, was Brad Augustine, the AAU guy out of Florida, and that was because I was told by a source that the money that he got here from undercover agents, he never gave it to any players or families or coaches. He actually went and he blew it in Vegas, and so there was no real crime that they could pin him to, so that's why his case got thrown out. But with everyone else, the judge said no. In fact... I th- one of them, and I think it was, uh, I think it was Book's case. The, the judge was like, "No, absolutely, this is on the table. This will go to trial. What we have here is is a valid case." So I think we've got an array of opinions about how legitimate the actual crimes here are in terms of the colleges and universities being the victims. I get all that, and the money involved is not the same as what we find in so many white collar crimes when it's millions and tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. It's not that, but still, I think there is a chance that this could go the way of of convicting some of the guys, the defendants in this case, potentially. Um, I, I, I'm still very fascinated by that angle overall. Do you want to respond to that, or can I get to the next point I was going to get to? <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Book is saying whatever he needs to say. Like I've said for a while, all of these guys, once they realize they can't get their cases thrown out, you know, these are not hardened criminals who live by some code of snitches get stitches. These are mostly college-educated men with wives and children. They ain't trying to do 10 years in prison to protect a Pac-12 coach or an ACC coach. So they're going to talk. And if, if, you know, if Book has something to say that would theoretically incriminate Sean Miller, I'm sure he either has said it or will say it. I mean, I, I, yeah. I know I would. I mean, I, I, got, I got well, a listen, wife. I know you'd kid. flip on me. It's okay. I live with that. I understand. 
I mean, I mean, I just think that it's sort of understood at the end of the day. Yo, I got a wife and three kids. I, I you know, I can't just take some fall for you if it if it increases the likelihood I'm never going to see my wives and kids again, or at least for a long time. You know, like if you don't understand that, I understand you don't understand that, and we can probably never be friends again. But like, I at that when you're facing federal prison, like this ain't the NCAA. Like NCAA investigations forever, which is why. The NCAA put the coach's control rule in. The assistants would always take the bullets for the head coach. Always. The assistants would be like, you know, Jim Calhoun's program's in, in flames. Fired assistant, fired assistant, Jim Calhoun lives on. The assistants, they would take a bullet when it just meant they'd lose their job because, like, coach could help them get another job or the multimillionaire coach can take care of them. There's a variety of ways to work that out. But this is different. Like, this ain't about losing your job. It's about losing your freedom. It's about not seeing your kids. You know, if you get fired from UConn as an assistant coach because you cheated, well, you get you still live in your home. You know, you still take your kids to school. Uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but it's not this. And so um, I think all I think at the end of the day, everybody who will be given an opportunity to cooperate will cooperate. And that's why I always thought this was at least um, um, possibly uh, devastating for all sorts of different people. Um, within the sport. Continue. Yeah. Okay. And this is the last part I want to talk about in regard to everything we've been dealing with off the floor over the past 48 hours. And um, I hope people are enjoying the conversation. We will get to a few on the floor things because I do want to get to that. And I know people are going to want to hear something just different. So, but my last point is this. So when we last spoke on Friday, we were obviously, you know, caught in the whirlwind reacting to the Yahoo story. Um, and both talked to, uh, you know, who knows how many people on our own, just coaches or other sources and I don't think I just – I remember thinking about it. I don't think I addressed it on the podcast, maybe a little bit here. Um, but I, I thought that what was going to happen wound up being the thing that mostly happened here. And that was the, the, the story itself. And, and to reiterate, you know, you've got very different things going on in that story from, from Thamel and Forty. You've got – Meals potentially being paid for for the parents of a prospect. And then you've got Dennis Smith Jr. and other players getting tens of thousand dollars of loans. And by the way, Dennis Smith was asked and he said no comment. Take it from what you will from that. That but, means he got money. Uh, clearly. Uh, clearly. So, um, but Miles Bridges played this weekend. Kevin Knox played this weekend. Wendell Carter played this weekend. Colin Sexton played this weekend. Those are the four most high-profile players who were attached to the Yahoo story. But again, context, 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 context. It is within an expense report that Christian Dawkins, and to be fair, he was marking these things down and um, in many instances, although Knox didn't comment on this from what I gather. Our buddy Jeff Borzello was there. Other Kentucky media members were there as well, and I don't think he went into any detail after Kentucky's game. But regardless, those universities reviewed those things, and Sexton in particular, remember, he missed a game at the start of the season, and from what we can gather here, the reason why was for the very thing that's in this Yahoo Sports report on that uh, on that uh, expense report from, from Christian Dawkins. But ultimately... These aren't big deals. It's it's one. It's the 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 whole philosophical principle that we're not going to have to get into again. Like get like paying for a meal if you're an agent, whatever. Um, but I I didn't think that these were going to be things that were jeopardizing uh, players being on the floor and and, and the uh, 
and their teams potentially being at risk. Now, from what we gather here, uh, Mark Emmert went on CBS on Saturday and said the NCAA is working with all schools in the report. Uh, he was referring to the Yahoo Sports report. And so with that, you had schools doing their own reviews with the players and families and whoever else they needed to talk to. And then, unless I am wrongly, wrongly off the path here, they were conferring with the NCAA on this. So if you are wondering if, like, Miles Bridges playing against Wisconsin on Sunday was, like, maybe a temporary thing and maybe Michigan State won't have him for the Big Ten tournament, no, that's not going to happen. Like, Miles Bridges, Kevin Knox, Wendell Carter, and Colin Sexton, and DeAndre Ayton, as far as we can tell, whose situation is obviously completely different, they're all going to be on the floor in March. They're going to be on there for the NCAA tournament, and it is going to add a huge fascination factor to this. I No doubt about it at all. But just keep in mind how this is not really the story and, and the stuff they're in. Uh, we need to have some healthy skepticism of perhaps Mr. Dawkins' accounting when it comes to all that stuff. And that being said, there are things in there that have some validity. But just because some stuff does doesn't mean other stuff does as well. And it's why Texas sat Eric Davis Jr. and Malik Pope was sat at San Diego State. I will note with both of those players, the money amounts connected to their names and the situations they're in are much more severe and serious and you know, on a sliding scale, a much bigger deal than anything that was affiliated with the biggest names on the report in Knox, Carter, Sexton, and Bridges. Yeah, to that, I, I guess I would I would just go back to the Sean Miller thing. What Sean Miller was accused of is, is, is reportedly on tape. So when Sean Miller denies that, he is denying, like, he, he's saying, they're saying it, there's a tape that, that, that exists that has me doing this. I'm just telling you, nope, not true. When he says, I'll be vindicated again, the only way to be vindicated is, is if that ESPN story is wrong. Because if that ESPN story is right, then he was discussing a pay-for-play scheme about DeAndre Ayton, and he should be fired and never coach at Arizona again. Um, with this, the report isn't there's a wiretap of Miles Bridges accepting $400 or receipts of Colin Sexton accepting whatever or video evidence of – Kevin Knox accepting whatever. Um, it's merely, as we talked about on Friday, an expense report. And I think some of the things on that expense report are, are, are accurate. And I think some of the things are probably um, fudged reimbursements that are just not, not true. Which is which, I don't know. But I, I bet you the expense report isn't 100% true, if only because most people's expense reports are never 100% true. Um, but I do believe that some of those players on that list are compromised. They're amateur status. But – Hold up. There's no proof of it. It's just a, a piece of paper. I'll just deny it. That's easy to deny. So easy. And by just, the yeah. That's, so that's why I don't. Here's what I'm saying. Every student athlete who has denied that over the past, you know, three days, I don't think every one of them is telling the truth. But you'll be able. You'll never be able to prove they weren't telling the truth because okay, my name is on that piece of paper. Well, I, well we just said the piece of paper is wrong. Well, who can prove that Christian Dawkins gave you something? Christian Dawkins? Well, he's not credible. He's like the worst witness ever. So, like, you're not gonna the, the NCAA is not gonna punish somebody based on Christian Dawkins' word. And so, if they're not, if there's no proof that you actually accepted these things or your mother did or whomever, and and the NCAA is not gonna be able to accept Christian Dawkins' word because he's a a, a terrible witness um, and and documented BSer, then then I'm like I'm home free no matter what happened or didn't or, or didn't happen. We'll find it. I, I was interested to to see how, you know, Tony Bennett had a good statement uh, on Saturday because obviously Malcolm Brogdon's mother was attached to this. And 
or she came out on the record and said, uh, I don't, I wouldn't have known if I went to the, the Ritz Carlton and had lunch with this guy. And then Mike Krzyzewski said, I talked to Wendell's mother and uh, my husband didn't like the guy. He got up and left and I stayed because I didn't want to be rude. So there, these meetings could have happened, uh, but there's denials of paying for a meal, but it gets to the heart of like, if it's a damn meal, who gives a, who gives a damn in general? And the NCAA is not going to fight this. And this isn't going to be something that comes back to, to come uh, to haunt these programs or these kids. And, I will. This might mean nothing. Okay, it might mean it might not mean anything. But Emmert was speaking to a few different things on CBS on Saturday, and he was asked by Clark Kellogg specifically about the agent issue and you know just the NCAA's stance on this and how it is different in in hockey and baseball and will will there be any sort of change? Is there going to be any sort of movement toward that? And he said, it makes perfect sense to me that it ought to be very different than it is now, end quote, for Emmert. He was specifically talking about the agent stuff. So that might be a good sign. Again, listen, you drive yourself nuts reading over Emmert's statements as over his tenure as NCAA president and things that he has maybe given lip service to and nothing has happened. But let's also be fair to the situation at hand here. And the NCAA... And the entire concept of amateurism has never been under such constant mainstream white hot light fire the way that it is right now. So if we were ever going to to potentially give more credit to Mark Emmert's words, now is the time. Because if it doesn't happen, then forever, you know, he's just uh, he's just a man in an empty suit. It, it doesn't mean anything. So potentially there could be change coming to this. Ultimately, I do not believe that any player who was connected to Dawkins on that expense report and who had anything you know, $500 or less or anything like that, nothing's going to happen there. I would be supremely shocked if anything comes with that. Yeah, I would too. I think it's it, obviously an incredible headline. And the same way, um, you know, I give credit to, to Mark Schleybaugh for getting that incredible headline on Friday. Um, you know, Pat and Pete being able to get that headline was big. To get their hands on those documents is, um, is great reporting. But what's going to be the byproduct of, of those documents I, I think Eric Davis missing games at Texas and Malik Pope missing games at San Diego State might actually be it because the NCAA is probably not going to be able to build a case strictly off those documents. And obviously, um, you know, every other student athlete has denied um, any involvement, at least current student athletes. And there's no way to prove otherwise, at least no way to those documents don't prove otherwise. And Christian Dawkins word is not going to prove otherwise. So unless there's more, you know, some other bit of evidence um yeah i don't think it i don't think it leads to to anything more i agree you want to talk about some games real quick first i want to tell you about seat geek okay. buying tickets can be a complicated <laughs> and confusing process but it doesn't have to be not when you use seat geek which is as i've told you before the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event whether you're searching for a last minute deal or you know, planning a night out with friends, or if you just need to find that perfect gift for somebody, SeatGeek helps you secure the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. Norlander's got it on his phone, and it really is what we use to buy tickets when we need tickets to basketball games, football games, concerts, anything. In fact, like I told you, I used SeatGeek uh, just last week to buy Grizz Cavs tickets for a friend who was coming into town, uh, coming into town to see King James. He wanted to see LeBron the Goat, so uh, I went to SeatGeek. I found the seats I wanted. Two clicks later, I was checking out. Easy peasy. So you'd be foolish not use SeatGeek next time you need tickets again uh, because SeatGeek saves you time and money. And it does so by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And here's the best part. Listeners of the Ion College Basketball Podcast can get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase just by using the promo code 
College BB. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code College BB today. That's promo code College BB for twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase at SeatGeek. Millions of tickets in one place. Kansas secured its 14th straight Big 12 title over the weekend uh, by winning at Texas Tech, and um, it is not only impressive; it is it is historic. Um, before yesterday, nobody in the history of college basketball, no coach nor program, had ever won 14 consecutive league titles. And yet Bill Self at Kansas has now done that. Do you think that's a record that will ever be broken at the Power 5 level? I don't think it is. Parrish, I, I don't think we're going to see this happen in any level of men's Division One basketball. For let me, tell you, let me tell you where it could happen. If you get a situation like Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference. But they even just, then it hasn't the, happened. I, I know it, ha- but that type of if John Calipari never leaves Memphis and they and Memphis stays in Conference USA, right? That's when it would have happened. But it, <laughs> I know, but those things haven't happened. I know that's the situation I just, I, scenario. All I'm doing is is prefacing it by saying there is a way it could happen at the at a different at outside of the power, you know, five level, and it would be those situations like John Calipari at Memphis, Mark Few at Gonzaga. If Greg Marshall would have stayed at Wichita, I mean, he did stay at Wichita State, but if Wichita State would have stayed in the Missouri Valley, when one program just outspins, and I mean in a legal way, but just outspins <laughs> every other program in its league, uh, that's where it could happen. But at the Power 5 level, you can't out-budget. Every, everybody's rich. Everybody's got money. Like Kentucky is the biggest and baddest, but everybody in the SEC has got money to spend. You know, uh, 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 Michigan State is is in Indiana or maybe at the top of the Big Ten in that regard. But everybody's got money to spend. You can't just out budget people at the power five level and win. And that's why at the power five level, I think I don't think we will. I mean, I know forever is a long time, but I don't think we'll ever see another program do what Kansas is doing right now. Yeah. Mark me down for. Nowhere, no how. This is a bodacious achievement. And when you consider how it measures up against, like, Villanova, right? Villanova loses in a really good game against Creighton on the road. And right now, Xavier is in position to win the Big East outright regular season championship. Humongous for the, for Xavier. It's, it could help them get a one seed, absolutely, Villanova. Maybe their one seed is a, is a little bit up for grabs now, depending on how they play in the Big East tournament. But the point is, like, Villanova has been so damn good in that league. And it might not get to five years. Here we are with Kansas in a league that's rated as the best over the past four seasons, specifically in a number of metrics, and they're going to do it again. I will remind listeners playfully, I gave Parrish at least three opportunities <laughs> in January to uh, to change his mind. He insisted that uh, he would take the field versus Kansas, and at the very least, Kansas would have to lose a game here. I don't think that's going to happen in order to even share the outright title in the Big 12. It's It's absolutely ridiculous, and as I wrote on Saturday – Let's give some love to Devontae Graham, who's on pace to be a first-team All-America. He has been tremendous in the month of February in particular. He's been good all year, um, but I think he was carrying too much of a load, and that was the reason for a lot of Kansas' struggles early on. They didn't have enough help around him, and now they're playing better as a whole. He has been awesome. He would have to play his way off that first-team list, at least mine in particular, and it's because he was on this roster that they even got to 14. If they don't have him, then I don't think there's any shot. I think Kansas might have struggled to finish fourth in the in the Big 12 this season. And I say that knowing it's history. You need a guy like Graham on this roster to make sure it happens. They get the win on the road. You might have heard these two things uh, over the weekend as well, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say them just in case you haven't. One, uh, Bill Self has won eight straight games in Kansas on the road against top ten teams. That's insane. That is not 
as amazing as winning 14 straight regular season championships because that's 14 years and it's a much wider sample size. But when you win eight straight against top 10 teams on in true road games, that's incredible. And then Bill Self, listen, here's what you got to know if you're in the Big 12. If you're lucky enough to pick one off at Allen Fieldhouse, you're trading it in for a loss at your building because he's never been swept in the Big 12 while at Kansas, uh, obviously by the same opponent in the same season. He ensured that to be true again by beating Texas Tech on the road. Uh, credit to uh, to those players for being able to do that. And listen, Self is not absolved from a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. You had Josh Jackson's mother, who's also denied everything that's happened there. You had the Billy Preston stuff, and he's gone. So obviously Bill Self's uh, had his share of bad pub as well in recent years. But in terms of achievements on the floor overall, this is – this is freaky how good they have been and how they've been able to continue to do this. And, yes, now in doing this again, I think they've assured themselves of their ninth straight season of a number one or number two seed. And as we stand right here right now, Sunday night, they are on the one line. Uh, yeah, and that means they'll be, as we talked about earlier, a top two seed in the NCAA tournament for, I think it's nine consecutive years, which yeah. is just also ridiculous. Um, I mean, it's just uh, – you can't even – like particularly in this era of college basketball, when the roster turnover is so much on a year to year basis, like the idea that you are never not the best team in your league and that I mean, and by the way, he's done it by, you know, returning players by also losing all five starters. Like I think off that 2008 national championship team, they literally lost all five starters and then just came back and win the Big 12 again. Like it is it is impossible to believe except for it is actually um, happening and you know it's why he's he's already in the Hall of Fame. Michigan State secured its outright Big Ten title earlier on Sunday with a win at Wisconsin. It is the eighth uh, Big Ten title of Tom Izzo's career and his first outright title since 2009. So I tweeted that earlier, and immediately the responses, like I would say 90% of the responses, were like Tom Izzo with dollar signs instead of Z's. It was Tom Isso. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, well, here, here's the point I wanted to make. It was like, uh, well, it must be easy when you just buy all your players. Um, it was all about cheating, or, or hey, it's go oh, enjoy it now because it'll be vacated soon. It was all about cheating, and I've said it a million times. I vouch for nobody. Like, I there are coaches who I think quote do it the right way, but I will never tell you that there's a you know that guy wouldn't cheat i i just i ain't going out on that limb for anybody i watch too many people get burned doing that so i vouch for nobody including tom Izzo. Uh, you know like i'm not telling you tom Izzo's a cheater i'm just saying I, i'm not gonna write a column saying shame on all of you for suggesting tom Izzo cheats i i know that man we've spent many hours together and i know he would never do anything in violation of ncaa rule. like that ain't that ain't the um so I vouch for nobody. But that is unfair based on what it's rooted in because it's clearly rooted in the Miles Bridges connection in that Yahoo report on Friday. And again, the allegation is what? That Miles Bridges' mother got $400 from Christian Dawkins. Um, you know, that's what the expense report shows. If that happened, and I'm not even telling you that didn't happen. I have no idea. I know Miles Bridges after the game on Sunday said it. he's never um, – he says he doesn't know Christian Dawkins. Said if he was in the locker room right now, he wouldn't know who he is. Said I've never taken anything 
um, from Christian Dawkins or anybody else. And my mother's never taken anything from Christian Dawkins or anything else. Again, it, it, it's, it's an easy denial because like, hey, yo, prove otherwise. Um, he, but, but he also might be telling the truth. I have no idea. I'm unconcerned with whether he's telling the truth. My point is those responses to Michigan State winning the outright Big Ten title, all of it about cheating, 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 even if what, Mich- even if what is alleged in those documents Friday, uh, even if it's true, all that means is that Christian Dawkins' mother was accepting money from somebody who was trying to secure Miles Bridges as a client once he lo- leaves Michigan State. It, it's not that he got paid to go to Michigan State. Again, I ain't saying he didn't get paid to go to Michigan State. I have no idea. I'm just saying if I would have tweeted about Michigan State two weeks ago, nobody would have talked about dollar signs and cheater and vacated. The only reason those responses came today is because Miles Bridges' name was in that report on Friday. But again, I don't think people understand the report because I read some column from some dummy earlier today where he was like, and, you know, and what the Yahoo report shows is that Kentucky's cheated and Michigan State cheated. It doesn't even suggest that Kentucky cheated and Michigan State cheated and, and uh, you know, Duke cheated. All it does is suggest that maybe some of their current players accepted money from somebody who works for an agent who was trying to secure them as a client when they left their schools. In other words, that Yahoo report isn't Tom Izzo or anybody on Tom Izzo's staff or anybody connected to Michigan State. Uh, trying to uh, provide impermissible benefits to Miles Bridges or his mother to get him to come to Michigan State. So the idea that um, it's 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 quite different than that. And the idea, so the idea that this is somehow tainted just doesn't I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Do you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. Um, the one thing I'll tag that thought with though is that. And I listen. We have recorded it. I did not uh, fully follow all of his press conference, but I saw the one quote that was shared by Brendan Quinn, who covers the team for the Athletic or, uh, and uh, the Detroit section of that site. And Izzo opened his press conference by saying, "I just, I just want a championship. I want to celebrate. I understand you have questions. I'll ask one or two. And <laughs> I get that, Tom. But uh, even like more than anything, like if you have firm belief in your player and understand the situation that just happened, it, he just chose the wrong words there. I mean, it just, it just sets." Uh, a tone and an expectation um, that that Izzo is and, and a change in reputation that Izzo is taking these opportunities at these press conferences to to kind of deflect more and more like there's really you could speak if there's nothing that went wrong here except what we have and that, even that's not bad and they they vetted Bridges situation like I understand like you won a Big Ten regular season championships the first time you've done that in nine years which is relatively surprising given that, given that uh, Michigan State's gotten some really good seeds since then. Um, well, it's the first outright Big Ten. He's won that, a Big Ten. Recently yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I meant outright. Yeah, that's what I meant. Just um, just in, t- in terms of them being alone atop the Big Ten standings, uh, I might have taken the under if you gave me eight and a half years. But um, but regardless, just, just answer a few of the questions and move on. But, yeah, no, I, I get that. And there is, listen, given that and given um, – the problems and uh, potential truths are missed with anything that was associated with the ESPN story. And we've talked about that plenty on this podcast. Uh, public sentiment has dropped uh, precipitously in Tom Izzo since then. And this kind of thing obviously is not going to help, but it will be interesting to see um, the team and, and what comes of the big 10 tournament. I will be there and it will be at Madison square garden. Uh, two more basketball notes for me in regards to Michigan state and the big 10 one, uh, the commissioner Jim Delaney said this was not a good idea, which 
I think everyone acknowledged before this even started in terms of condensing the league schedule, playing a few league games in December. Uh, they don't anticipate on doing it again. So this might be a one-time only shot here for the Big Ten playing its league tournament in New York City, or at least it will be with MSG until the Big East gives up its <laughs> its deal with the Garden. And I don't think that's going to happen. The Big East has bounced back. It's a strong league. There's no reason to ever take that out of that venue. So maybe this will be the only year the Big Ten plays its league tournament at MSG. And I, I will also note that since all of this stuff started with Michigan State um, and ESPN's report, they have not lost. It has been uh, interesting to see how they have continued to be really good and to the point where I think a lot of people just from a basketball standpoint might consider this to be the the surest bet on the heels, I guess, of, Vanil of Villanova losing uh, against Creighton. I almost called him Villanueva. <laughs> but uh, with Michigan State continuing this this win streak, they finished 16-2 in the league. Um, they have not dropped a game yet, and uh, that's uh, that's been interesting to see overall with, uh, with how the team has played and despite um, a lot of rightful questions being asked and, and, you know, controversy that's been around the program. Let me circle back real quick because you said – you know, if you're Tom Izzo and you got you believe in your player, like stand there and answer the questions. I wonder if the reason you don't do that is the same thing Tom Cream told you on Friday, which is basically like just because I haven't done anything wrong doesn't mean my players haven't been compromised. Like we don't know what these kids are doing. I talked to a, a coach yesterday morning and he said, like, I'm sure some of my players have accepted money from an agent or a runner working for an agent. Uh, you know, we're not around these kids 24 hours a day or around and certainly not around their family members. You know, they like once you have a pro prospect on your roster, they're getting hit from a variety of angles and everybody around them is getting hit from a variety of angles. He's like, and I know people want us to know and we are at least in theory held accountable for that. But you have to understand that's the type of thing my player would go out of his way to keep from me. So. I think if I remember correctly, it was Tom Crean on Friday telling you, like, yeah. I he said, I'm he not. Did... Yeah, he basically said he was talking within the context of players and their families uh, potentially having lunches paid for by agents and stuff like that. And Crean, who's never had any incident of lay uh, violations or run ins, he said, I've been in this business so long. It would be idiotic, and I'm paraphrasing here. He was, I think his words were, that would be completely stupid if, if I were to think that no player that I ever had on my roster ever had any sort of minor infraction or done something under my watch, no matter how hard I tried. It's basically impossible, was the case he was making, which, by the way, is the truth. But unfortunately for fans and people that want to build these cases and, and just pillory these coaches and programs, they don't want to look at it through that prison. But it is impossible, particularly before they ever get to your campus, of preventing the realities of a lot of things that happen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's even impossible once they're on your campus. And so I, I guess my, my, my point as it related to Tom Izzo was um, the same way I just got through saying I don't vouch for any of these coaches. Like you will never, ever hear me say that guy's that guy's clean. I know he's clean. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what goes on. Uh, I think Tom Izzo probably doesn't want to vouch for Miles Bridges. You know, you could probably say, "Listen, um, I know we haven't done anything as it relates to Miles Bridges, and I know I never dealt with Christian Dawkins." Like Izzo basically said that he's like, "I don't know. You know, I have nothing to do with this." Um, you can you can say you can speak for yourself, but does Tom Izzo really know Miles Bridges hasn't been compromised? I know he's been approached. Like uh, you're telling me a, a, a projected top 10 pick who came back to school <laughs> like that. You tell me that guy didn't have agents all around him or his family members don't have agents all around them. So it doesn't mean that they've accepted anything. I'll, I'll take them at their word. But 
Um, they've had opportunities to, I promise you. They have. So, I mean, I'll share something Izzo told me on the record last year. He said he could not even get Miles to sit down with an agent last year before he made the decision to come back. So they're <laughs> definitely around him. Which and, might just and, mean and, that he's And Bridges might, might, have, might well have sat down with seven of them. Who, who knows? But Izzo was at the point last year when I spoke with him on the record on the phone saying, I wanted this kid to actually strongly consider leaving because it was best for his future. He would not even take phone calls with agents. So it definitely is out there, and I'm not saying that that didn't happen, but in this, it's, it makes it interesting that Izzo just didn't invite more right off the bat at his press conference and saying the words that he said. That's all. Yeah, my point is about as far as I'd be willing to go if I were a college basketball coach is I'd say I know I never dealt with Christian Dawkins. I know that I haven't done anything to 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 compromise Miles Bridges' amateur status. Um, and and we have obviously our compliance people have worked with Miles and have, have worked with Miles Bridges' uh, family, and they are comfortable uh, with their explanations and they have no reason to believe that they have accepted any impermissible benefits, and I'd leave it right there. Just, hey, our people who are charged with looking into that have looked into it, and they tell me everything's cool. That's all I know. I think when you start going any further than that, you're really setting yourself up because just like Tom Crean told you, you do not know. Like if Miles Bridges or his mother had accepted impermissible benefits from an agent or somebody working for an agent, Tom Izzo almost certainly would have no idea. Yeah. Two more results from the weekend. Uh, I, I have to mention that Gonzaga won the WCC outright again after making the championship game and losing some important pieces from last season's team. They beat BYU on the road. And last year when Gonzaga, despite losing in the title game, still rated as the number one team at Ken Palm, um, it will, people may remember and maybe they forget. Remember, they had the home game against BYU last year. At, at, in, in Spokane and couldn't get it done, so they did not get that undefeated regular season. They avenged that by sweeping the Cougars this season and uh, once again um, go 17-1 and in the league. And it's, you know, they were expected to be number two by some, although I, you know, did th- think uh, this rare chance that I'm right, so let me just uh, boast a little bit. I thought Gonzaga would be better than St. Mary's this season. That wound up being the case, even though they lost Nigel Williams-Goss, who was – Honestly, first team All America kind of status. Karnowski, who was an absolute hoss, they lose Zach Collins to the first round of the NBA. Jordan Matthews is gone, uh, but nevertheless, um, they are able to once again do what they do, and they don't have a bad loss on the schedule. They lost to Florida, which is in the NCAA tournament picture right now. They lost to Villanova. Um, they lost at San Diego State, and I think, I think. I haven't looked at their quadrant. The Florida neutral might be a worse loss than at San Diego State, and then the other ones at home to St. Mary's. Um, so their their thing overall is 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 great. Their situation, their seeding is good. If they win the WCC tournament, I haven't done the math yet, but blindly, I'd say Gonzaga would have a case for a four seed this season, and that is simply awesome uh, given what they were able to do. It's they are the second most automatic thing to Kansas in the Big Twelve in college basketball. I will say. Um... You have said on this podcast at some point, like, hey, you know, Parrish didn't believe in Gonzaga. He had St. Mary's to win the WCC. And I just sort of believed you. Dude, you, like, yeah. no, come on. You're not, you're not, you're not suggesting otherwise. Dude, go look at the, because I, I just called it up. Go look at the top preseason top 25 and one, which is the first 26. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, of you did not. Six. No, come on. I had Gonzaga ahead of St. Mary's. Did I have I been gaslighting both of us this whole time? You've been lying about me, and I believed you. 
because the other day I was like, did I really pick St. I Mary's? Could have sw- I thought we had this conversation because you were like, man, St. Mary's brings back everyone. Gonzaga doesn't. And you wanted to have like Gonzaga like right behind him. You know, you do have you – know, we might have a controversy. You do have the capability of going back in. Oh, don't accuse me of that. <laughs> I'm not uh, – there are people who have done that. It ain't me. If no, so, I, listen, I apologize I, if I have this mistake the whole like 16 time. And St. Mary's like 21 or 22. What? No, dude. No way that is the case. You definitely – You've got a computer right now. Preseason top 25 and one. Go look at – Dude, Google you had St. Mary's or, like 14 and Gonzaga 15 or 16. No, go look at go Google Matt Norlander and 351, and it'll pop right up. And the first 26 are my top 25 and one, as you make clear. Yep. And and it's oh, and you can also go into our tool and see when the last time that was edited, and you'll see it was it had nothing to do with me. I did. I had Gonzaga. I had a St. Mary's. This whole this whole season, I, you've convinced me that I didn't. And every time I'd be like, I don't know why I doubted. I like I, I'm texting like Mark Few, like I'm sorry for ever doubting you. And it turns out I didn't doubt him at all. <laughs> What? Dude, you, you that's insane. I did something I didn't do. It's like a false confession you got out of me. No, what's that? What is this called? This is the um, – oh, what's the name of this condition where you think uh, – it's like the people that uh, that think that uh, Sinbad made that movie, but it actually never happened. Oh, what's the condition called? It's, the word just got invented like in the past two years. People that think the Berenstain Bears used to be the Berenstain Bears book, and there's like this huge comp- conspiracy like you lived or existed in an alternative universe that got changed around it. Are you aware of this condition? I've, I've vaguely, I've heard something about this. Like yeah, there's, there's a whole there's bunch of instances. Bad where people remember the movie, but like it really was never a movie. There has no evidence, but like there are thousands upon thousands of people that think Sinbad was in some sort of movie where he was like a basketball genie or something like that. And they're conflating their memory with Shaq's movie, which was Kazam, if I think I remember correctly. Shazam? I don't know. No, I think that's, I think people, there we go. No, I think people think the Sinbad movie is Shazam, but the (laughs) Shaq movie, you just did it. But the Shaq movie is Kazam. It's a... Someone tweet this at me. I, I just saw the term like two weeks ago. There's there's a whole condition for it. So anyway, I did that here with St. Mary's and Gonzaga unintentionally. My apologies. Let's wrap up here. Last one here. Uh, mm-hmm. Duke won. Bagley got back on the floor. So uh, Duke fans were wondering, you know, Saturday morning if they'd have Wendell Carter or Marvin Bagley the third on the floor. They had both of them. Um, they beat Syracuse 60-44. to 44. The defense continues to look really, really good. They've gotten to the point here where this defense was rated in the 70s and 80s in Ken Palm in efficiency. They're now at 18th overall as we record this. And, uh, yeah, let me say right here that I was wrong. I thought there was no way. I remember particularly thinking after the North Carolina State loss and then just the way that they were playing afterward um, – that they weren't going to be capable of turning into a, a an above-average defensive team. But they've absolutely done that by going pretty much exclusively to zone at this point. And, yeah, uh, if you want to now consider Duke to be the most dangerous team, even more dangerous than, say, Michigan State um, or obviously Virginia, who has the win over Duke, I think you're validated in that because Grayson Allen has now stepped up. Bagley's back on the floor, and he's healthy. And the defense is making a huge difference. So that as we round into March here, just uh, anything's possible. This Duke team could slip up, but they, they are they are now shaping into form of what people thought they would have been when we talked about them back in November. Well, if you were somebody who said they can't win a national championship, it was rooted in because you can't win one guarding the way that they guard. And that, that is, like, true according to history. But, 
Like they've gone from yeah in the 80s to to top 20 in defensive efficiency, and obviously they're terrific offensively, and obviously they're more talented at more positions than I think anybody in the country. So I don't know where I'm at on picking a national champion, but like they're on my very short list because they're you know. And I, I made this point on television the other night. I might have made it on the podcast too. I can't remember. But um, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that Duke and Kentucky are both, quote, playing their best basketball of the year right now. Um, it's late February. They entered this season ranked 350th and 351st in experience, according to Ken Palm. Literally the two least experienced teams in America. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised that A – they have some bumps in the road along the way, and B, that they have the um, the widest window to get better from point A to point B than basically anybody else because they are they're learning on the go, unlike anybody else. And you know, as March approaches, um, I think Duke is clearly better than Kentucky, but Kentucky is clearly better than we thought Kentucky was three weeks ago, and they both look like they're now capable of. Of, of advancing deep into the bracket. I think Duke deeper than, than Kentucky, but Kentucky, you know, I, I, I'm not ruling much out for them either. Yeah, they they uh, they got to win as well. The Wildcats did. They're, they're rounding into form, and um, we'll see what happens here. So those leagues wrap up their regular seasons. Uh, Big Ten obviously doesn't. By the way, the term I could not remember was the Mandela effect, and that is because apparently people believe that Nelson Mandela – died in like the late 1980s they have this memory i i never thought that i didn't think that that's when that happened but the the mandela effect is what uh, is what we we're talking about so saint mary's gonzaga i look forward to mandela affecting you on something else in the future obviously unintentionally but nonetheless smearing your your good name in the process shouts to devin downey shouts to chester south carolina shouts to terry mf and teagle the legend and please go subscribe to the island college basketball podcast and rate it favorably over at Apple Podcast? Is that what we're calling it these days? It is, yes. You nailed it. There we go. Thank you. Apple Podcast. It really does mean a lot. It helps us in a variety of ways. Um, our bosses are very impressed with the way we've been able to build the Iron College Basketball Podcast from last year to this year. I think it's obvious we have seriously invested in trying to improve the sound quality. Um, and so there are a lot of comments over the years about the sound quality. Um, you, you, you know, now, uh, we've addressed that finally. And so, um, if you could make note of that, um, we would really appreciate it. And, uh, either way, we will talk to you again on, on Wednesday till then. Take care.